in 108, when you, you see a little bit when he says, like, this feels like a reality show. That yes. moment, <laughs> I, like, literally got down on the floor and crawled under a desk. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Awardist, where we are chatting with the actors, well, not so much anymore, creators and more who are contenders this year and breaking down the state of the 2023 Emmys race. I'm Entertainment Weekly Executive Editor Jared Hall, and joining me this week, we're welcoming back EW Editor-in-Chief Patrick Gomez and Senior TV Editor Samantha Highfill. Hello to you both. How goes? Hello. Hello from five inches away, yeah. Jared. <laughs> And hello from seven and a half miles, but probably about an hour and a half. And yeah, time away. Say, exactly. Yeah. So close yet so far. Um, the 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 little um, snark I added in there about uh, not so much speaking with actors anymore. Of course, uh, everyone knows. I think that the uh, the SAG after strike is ongoing. That means we cannot speak with uh, any actors really right now, unless the actor happens to be a director and we're speaking with them about something they directed. But we can't talk about their projects or if um, they host like a game show. It's complicated. Exactly. Yeah. It's very complicated. There's a lot going on with the issue, really. Or that we spoke to them before. Uh, exactly. Yes. We've got some surprises. Exactly. Yeah. Coming. Folks will still hear uh, or read, um, quote unquote, new interviews. Uh, they're they're yeah. new because they haven't been published yet, uh, but they were conducted prior to the start of the actor strike. The big new piece of news, which is very relevant to what we do here and to the folks that we chat with on this podcast EW has learned that the 2023 Emmys have indeed been postponed and uh, they will no longer take place on September 18th. Of course, it's making it a little complicated to plan a show that uh, one has to be written. And of course, writers are on strike. And two, the show requires the attendance of nominated actors who are on strike. So as of this recording, a new date has not yet been announced. Fox, which is broadcasting the 75th Emmy Awards, uh, that network is hoping for November, but the Television Academy thinks more time is likely going to be needed to resolve these contract disputes. Uh, so they are eyeing January 2024. Um, that said, the final round of voting will still take place August 17th through the 28th. So we are going to carry on with our phase two coverage as planned. Uh, we will keep you updated here on this podcast and at EW.com. As I said, things are still uh, ongoing, but I really just mean that more in terms of the strikes are still ongoing, but the conversations to resolve them are not. Um, I, even hearing that uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom is uh, considering getting involved, a lot of people think that's not really going to help yet because things are still, uh, it's still fresh, it's still heated. Uh, things are being said that, um, you know, on both sides that are kind of uh, making the other side a little angry. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're like, Things just need to calm down a bit and then he will intervene because, um, you know, look, uh, of course, people people want fair deals and all of this. But the longer this goes on, this um, these strikes do actually affect the economy 
um, because it, it's, you know, people are out of work. That means they're not spending money on things. Uh, a lot of folks have already expressed their, uh, their deep concerns that they're going to have to uh, potentially sell their homes. Um, you know, and I'm hearing that from a lot of crew members on shows because they also cannot work now. Um, so it's, it's very complicated and, and we hope that, uh, people, Start to come to the table with some yeah. uh, some reasonable solutions to this entire thing. Trying to trying to stay as middle of the road on yeah. this as possible because uh, we want we want everyone to be happy, but we also want people to be fairly compensated. Um, and and now we're seeing you know AI, uh, which of course is a big sticking point here. That some studios are trying to figure out how they can go ahead and uh, hire people to run AI. Um, well, that's the thing. I think that uh, the residual aspect of this and fair pay and fair size of writer rooms, all of that, I could see you sitting on either. I mean, you know, I think that I, I personally think there is a right answer here, yeah. um, but I could, you know, there's arguments to be said of like, well, that, you know, that we don't have the money or this or that, or, you know, we've got to be economical because we've got, uh, you know, uh, people to right. pay out uh, in terms of uh, we're a publicly traded company. There's all that sort of stuff that I understand is complicated. But when it comes to the AI side of stuff, look, these actors and these writers, they're sacrificing hopefully less than a year of work now to be able to work for decades mm -hmm. in the future. Because the alternative is they say, fine, we'll, con we'll cancel the strike. They go back to work for a few years and then AI replaces them right. for the entire future. So it's like either they don't work for a short period of time now and then have careers the rest mm -hmm. of their lives, or they don't work now, but are able to come back and actually have a livelihood, uh, into, into yeah. old age or as long as they would exactly like to as work. long as they would like to i mean and look ai is not something that's unique to uh the entertainment industry we know from a lot of uh like you know from the manufacturing sector that a lot of you know uh line factory line work has been automated that people have been replaced by robots and and for folks who are not in the industry and are kind of like oh what are they worried about what are they complaining about that's the same thing a yeah. actors being replaced with essentially robots and um Technology. Yeah, te with technology and, and I like uh, by robots. It's just like, yeah, do you ever think we'd like actually live through like that sentence of like humans are being replaced by robots? I feel like I'm in a movie. Yeah, I 100 percent <laughs> feel like I'm in a movie. It's so funny because, you know, when we were growing up, all, like everything, movies and TV shows, there was all this like, oh, the future and here's what it'll look like. And then like it hardly looks nothing like that. Where's my hoverboard? Doesn't exactly. Exist. Where where are the flying cars? Um, but yeah, so in those regards, it's like, oh, I can't wait for all of that. And now we don't have any of it. But then suddenly things like this happen. And it's like, oh, well, that that's actually kind of like the scary thought of yeah. of technology. Like, yeah, I just want. And I don't know, Sam, the, the, those machines that build the cars now, like they they look like little <laughs> arms. So to me, robots have already replaced it's us in true. some places. I mean, yeah. I don't even like like self-parking car. Like, I don't trust it. I'm just like, I feel like. I don't know, hitting a button in my car parking itself, I will like will never work. Like, I don't know. I will say I will say that I think Star Wars and, and others of its ilk get a lot of credit for like making us think some robots are cute. <laughs> yeah. Because like every time that I see every time I see one of those like postmates yeah. uh delivery robots going down the street, I'm always just uh. like, 
Yeah. Aww. Especially if I'm stopped at a red light <laughs> and I'm watching it cross the intersection and I'm like, oh, I hope it gets to the other side. I'm like, why am I like cheering on <laughs> this little road? The and they and all I'm... have names. It's like, yeah. I sat there in my car watching one the other day because I was like, I want to know how it knows when to cross because it mm-hmm. wasn't at a light. Mm-hmm. And so it was literally just going to have to be paying attention to cars. And I was like, how does this yeah. little thing know when to cross? And it's because they're freaking smart. They're and so smart. They're a problem. We should. They are cute and we yes. should be destroying them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, well, that was a fun little tangent that, that I was not expecting us to go on here. But um, we hate technology. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, but hey, we, we still, you know, we, we brought it back around to pop culture and, and its relevance there. Yeah. So nice job, guys. Um, <laughs> I have uh, assembled our jury here today. We're on jury duty this yes. week. Um, but more specifically, I'm talking about the Amazon freebie series. Uh, it has become a Big, unexpected hit. It landed four Emmy nominations, including Outstanding Comedy Series. And later in the show, I chat with uh, showrunner and executive producer Cody Heller. She's written for and produced uh, several shows, including the Elijah Wood series Wilfred, Kidding, starring Jim Carrey, and Dummy, starring Anna Kendrick. Um, I'm realizing that was a really like hard left turn I took out of technology into jury duty, but uh, whatever. <laughs> Just go with the flow, it folks. Works. Yeah. Um, so uh, speaking of, you know, in, in terms of this show uh, getting that comedy nomination, I think it, for me, uh, is maybe like my favorite surprise of the yeah. day of the nominations. Because leading up to it, I, I feel like we were all kind of having the conversation like, Oh, can it? But I don't know. Like, can a freebie series really break into that? You know, the top eight. Yeah. Um, and I think for a lot of people, it was a well, dark horse. It's also horse. just generally unconventional. Yeah. Yeah. It's so unconventional. And and did people watch? Was it was it only like you know people sitting at home? Were they the only ones talking about it? Yeah. But it but it broke through. Um, uh, when a, it, it also got a writing nomination uh, as well for James Marsden for supporting actor. Um, I mean. Sam, we and Patrick, we watch a lot of TV. We do. We watch a lot of TV. And this one is just so gosh darn refreshing. It really is. I mean, it's. I feel like we have this conversation a lot about like an original idea. And this is just entirely original. And I mean, I remember having the conversation before it came out of like Amazon Freebie. Like, what is this show? And like Mm -hmm. slowly... What is Amazon Freebie? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I feel like what happened within our office is like actually what happened on a larger scale in the world where like suddenly one person came in and was like, I watched those screeners and they were kind of great. And it was like, oh, OK, well, maybe I'll check it out. And like a week goes by and then someone else watches it and was like, guys, this is kind of great. And then it came out and just to your point, Jared, I was very much so like, how? but how many people have actually watched it? Mm-hmm. Because we... We are all the kinds of people who watch a lot of television. And I'm like, is, you know, grandma in Missouri actually checking out jury duty? And it's been really fascinating to watch what really feels like a word of mouth spread. Mm -hmm. Word of mouth, obviously, including social media. But like this kind of spreading phenomenon of this. But it's just like it's impossible not to enjoy it because it is funny while being good spirited. And I think that's the key to its magic Mm -hmm. of like. It's ultimately just like a very endearing, positive show. Yeah. I was going to say it, it, it is. It's like it's it's an unconventional workplace yeah. comedy. But that's what kind of what it feels like, like similar to, uh, you know, The Office or Superstore. Yeah. You know, you just you feel like it's this bunch of people like trying to get through the day. And then you get the added bonus of um, if you're not familiar with the show, 
a a uh, non actor who is uh, unknowingly uh, in a Truman Show esque situation um, on a jury with a bunch of people pretending to be even crazier yeah. than they are. Yeah, and I mean that's I think ultimately, and I think we've all talked about that with this show, but like. It all came down to casting that one guy. Mm-hmm. Like if it weren't Ronald or someone like Ronald, it never would have worked. And so like those casting directors really, I hope they're just like taking a bow because they're the reason why that show came together ultimately. Oh, the casting director is also one of those Emmy nominations. So we love it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It. And Patrick mentioned The Office. I mean, you know, we have uh, some of the executive producers from that show who are here. So that's what's great is that they get those dynamics and they mm-hmm. get that you know mockumentary style but really that's that it all stopped there because and even you'll hear cody say later she's like none of us really knew how to to make like the reality aspect of it truly work though because you were so beholden to going with whatever he said yeah um so they really had to be like on their toes constantly and had so many different scenarios worked out of if he says this we'll do this if he says this if he doesn't say this then someone else has to like say something to plant a seed it was just i I think it's just such incredibly smart uh writing and producing on their part um that that entire exercise they had to go through uh, not just for the uh, 15, 16 days or so that they filmed, but everything leading up to it as well. Also helped that um, all but two of the writers were also actors on the show. So mm-hmm. they knew everything they had thought about in the writer's room and could uh, could make all of that work. One of my favorite things is when I asked Cody, I was like, what what happens if J- if if Ronald didn't necessarily know who James Marsden was? Like, for sure, he would probably recognize him, but would he think of all of the you know the movies and stuff? She said, "Well, that's why the woman in the in the jury, the first room where they're all sitting, she goes up to take a picture with mm-hmm. him, and then if he didn't say anything, she could say the names of some of the movies. Like they thought it all the way down to you know those kinds of uh, you know small levels of." just planting seeds yeah. and, you know, dangling the carrot. Yeah. And he, I mean, he ate the whole field of carrots, really. <laughs> f- are there fields of carrots? Fields of carrots, <laughs> carrot patches. I love it. Carrot I groves. I entire field. An orchard, carrots. a carrot orchard. I have no sure. idea. Um, but yeah, he just, I mean, it is even you see in the in the finale how they they show how, right. uh, as I say to her, how the cake was made. I'm I'm going to start saying how the cake was made, because okay. um, we know how much I love desserts. <laughs> uh, that you know you you see everything and and uh, you know he discovers all of those little elements yeah. along the way, but really more so than anything, it's them saying like how he was he was way ahead of them on stuff. Like right. there's one story that Cody tells later. We'll talk about it after the interview. I was like, holy F, like it could have all been blown up right there. Anyway, we'll get to that in a bit. The big question I have for you is, well, let's talk about its main category, uh, outstanding comedy series. Mm -hmm. It's in some really good company. Uh, So the other comedy series nominees are, in alphabetical order, Abbott Elementary, Barry, The Bear, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Only Murders in the Building, Ted Lasso, and Wednesday. Now, here's where I think it gets interesting because 
you know, there are some people who get nominated and I'm like, oh, the nomination's the win. But the more I like linger I'm like, is there on a this world where they win. That's what I'm I'm I really starting to wonder be. after like reading a lot of, you know, commentary on it and how much yeah. people love it. And like we've said, the very unique nature of it. I'm like, maybe this isn't even just a dark horse, but it might actually be a real contender. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I would love it so much. Like, I think it's possible. It is definitely still the dark horse. But like, I'm looking at this list. And I kind of feel like the bear is the biggest obstacle for it, even mm. though, you know, obviously there's a lot of conversation around like, is the show a comedy? But obviously yeah. it is. It's in this category. So we'll deal with it. But like, look, on the one hand, the Emmys, like they love to just give awards to these same shows. Mm -hmm. So quite a few of these have won and yeah. so could be contenders. But in terms of quality of these seasons and i'm a fan of a lot of these shows i don't know i'm looking at like the bear and jury duty as my top two mm. i don't know that that's realistic but i would love it. i would love for jury duty to win again like just a totally original new yeah. thing it is of all of these i feel like the buzziest so that is something that i think they'll take into consideration i think what's tough is um that because they aren't able to be out there, obviously they're speaking to us, but like, you know, that we don't get to meet mm -hmm. this cast and all that sort of stuff. I think uh, I can't decide if actually that helps or it hurts them because look, of course, other than James, there's not like household right. names in this cast to like be out there going on talk shows and yep. that sort of thing. So actually maybe it, now that I'm saying it out loud, maybe it helps them that this is an odd, uh, I mean, campaign year. Um, because, you know, otherwise, I think, you know, the Abbott cast mm -hmm. would be everywhere sure. right now, um, you know, promoting themselves. We'd have only murders, I'm sure, promoting season yep. three <laughs> during this voting period was part of their strategy of releasing season three mm -hmm. when they are so that, like, you know, they'd get a double hit of press, uh, you know, nominations for, for two and, and eyeballs yep. for three. Uh, so, you know... It, my whole argument I was going to make as I opened my mouth went <laughs> out the window and, and I think, I think, I think there's a shot here, you know, I, but then you also look and it's the final season of right, Barry. Sure. It's the final season of Maisel, final season of Ted Lasso. Uh, so, you know, there could be some running those shows to go out on yeah. top. Oh, don't give it to there, the final there season. There could be, I could see a lot of vote spreading, which again, makes it anyone. Oh, Sam just said, don't give it to the final season of Maisel. I uh, saw, so I was a little late on it and I just finished last week. I, and Patrick, you've talked about here. I liked it a lot. The time jumps did not work. For <laughs> oh, me. they didn't work for you. The Susie episode worked. I mean, she always yeah, works. But in terms of like the time, but overall, I just felt, and we won't get on a huge tangent here. And you're talking but, about, by the way, the the roast, the yes, fires. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That episode mm -hmm. worked. Um, but like it, uh, they made. I never needed to see adult children. I never needed to see Midge as just like truly terrible. Like Hollywood got to her terrible. Mom. She was never a good mom, but it made it really mm -hmm. hard for me to like and root for Midge. Whereas in the 70s, I'm like, yes, do this. This is your dream. Mm -hmm. And if it had just ended with that moment on the Gordon Ford yeah. show, like, perfect. Yeah. I didn't hate the final. I just like a couple episodes in, I just remember like I kind of turned to my friend and she was like, I don't like her. And I was like, I don't either. And that makes it really hard to watch this show. 
Well, a- Amy Sherman Palladino is not afraid Absolutely. to write characters yeah. that you yeah. don't love. Yeah, and, and I mean, honestly, when you really look back, I mean, she's been kind of, not that she's been hard to like from the beginning, but um, you, you root for her, but do you like her, I think is the question I now, looking back. Have, right. Um, I guess it made it yeah. harder for me to root for her, knowing yeah. what success ultimately kind of does to her life. Yeah. I'm like, do I want her to achieve it? You know what I yeah. mean? But Yeah. Yeah. That's but realistic. damn, that finale, though, I mean, just the kind of last 20 minutes or so of it. Oh, I was, it had ended at the Gordon Forge. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I, I really I loved that part. Um, well, the, I don't know if I liked the the end end scene, but yeah, everything before that. Me. Sorry. Yes, yeah. Yes, ending 100%. right there. I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as I'm looking at the list, I, yeah, I'm with you, the bear. Uh, I, I'm afraid that, like you said, out of habit. Voters will just go for Ted Lasso. Again, another show with a, a pretty strong finale. Um, yeah. It, you know, had the feels and all that good stuff. And, but an ultimately, yeah. like, final season that I think people were less excited agree, about. Agree, agree. Uh, but... Well, I think it was one of those that they didn't like it as much when they were watching it, but I feel like it left a good taste in yeah. their mouth. Like, everyone seemed to be like, well, it wrapped up well. And so I feel like that that might, like... It could help. M- yeah. Have washed away any, like ups and downs during right. the season because i also like loved particular episodes oh yeah agree yeah, yeah. yeah fully well. agree with that the one thing i'll point out though is that none of us have even said the word wednesday i love wednesday yeah sam <laughs> sam will like fight tooth and nail for that one i mean i, I listen just, i don't know mm-hmm. that i need wednesday to win an emmy i wasn't watching it going like oh my god that, but yeah. like i had a blast i think i personally would rather and I'm not saying she should win her category because I can't remember who's in it. But of the two, like Jenna feels more to me than the show. But that being said, I love Wednesday. I don't. I, I think, well, because in I a way, the success a, of the show rides on that performance. 100%. too. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So but I think this is very much so. I, it's like one a, of the shows you have to sign on to the tone yeah, right. or not. Yeah. This their win was being nominated, I think, because it's such kind of a not Emmy show. Mm-hmm. So yeah. good for them. And she made history. Indeed, indeed. Just for the record, though, she is up against Christine Applegate, Rachel Brosnahan, Quinta Brunson, and Natasha Leone. I'm not saying she should win. I'm just saying if I had the option of her or the show, I'd go her. My gosh, those are all all such different performances. But yeah, uh, but before we move on, I guess just maybe the last thing I would say on the the comedy there is remember how everyone loved Ted Lasso season one because mm-hmm. of that, like how great he made you feel. And that's how I felt at the end of jury duty Yeah, that, but it's a real man. It's a right. real guy. And he delivered on all that same stuff that we love about the character, Ted Lasso. Yeah. And so I'm like, Hmm, maybe that is what could resonate. And, um, people are like, well, we've already, we've already honored Ted Lasso. Let's give it to the real guy. Yeah, I don't know. it's just a I thought. I think it could. I mean, I do yeah. think the like optimism and the like restoring faith in humanity a little bit, even though it's one guy. Literally, Cody still, Heller's words. Like, she said that he yeah. single-handedly restored my faith in humanity. Yeah, it's like they're out there, and I think in today's world, with like what a a lot of us see day in and day out, mm. it's like yeah. real nice to see just like a dude who's gonna, yeah. you know. Like, be there for his brand new friends. Yeah. his br- That was the thing. I was like, you've known real- these people for a day and you're being real nice. <laughs> right. <laughs> and let's talk about quickly James Marston, um, oh. who uh, obviously like episode one, he's he's all over it. He's so uh, integral to it. Then like episodes two, three, I'm like, oh, James isn't in here very much. Why did he get nominated? Yeah. But then episode five so at the hotel yeah. filming that uh, audition <laughs> and... 
everything that goes down there and then well between the bathroom yeah. scene and then the um jumping on the bed for yeah. the i mean it's so funny and i just really appreciate how much he was just like whatever you guys need me to do i'm here for it i will make this happen um but he is in a category with some mm, some tough competition anthony kerrigan from barry phil dunster and Brett Goldstein from Ted Lasso, Evan Moss Backrack from The Bear, Tyler James Williams of Abbott Elementary, and uh, also from Barry, Henry Winkler. Um, mm. As I just keep staring at this category, it keeps getting harder and harder for me to make a decision. This is one where I kind of feel the opposite of Wednesday, where I would rather this show, I'd rather Jury Duty win than James. James was incredible, but I don't, I don't know that he beats out those other guys. Mm. I would just like to take a moment to say uh, I came on this podcast prior to the nominations being announced and uh, Phil Dunster was like my yeah. dark horse in this yep. category. And so I was I had a little feather in my cap <laughs> on nominations morning um, when that was announced because I thought this is very well deserved yeah. um, and also got to be right. So it's <laughs> a <laughs> so win win. Um, but I agree. This is a really stacked category. Um, this, as much as I think the show may benefit from kind of the democratization of the voting because there's not campaigning, I actually think James would have a better shot if he was, if he was out there able Mm -hmm. to like really be using this as his moment. Um, and so while again, totally support, uh, the actors and writers fighting for what they're fighting for. Um, you know, it is unfortunate that that denies people kind of this opportunity because James Marsden's like. A big, I mean, in addition to like all the movies and things he's done, I mean, Westworld, he's, he's continued to to show that he's Mm -hmm. a fantastic actor dead to me. Yes. He continues to show that he's a fantastic actor, but like never really gets to seem to step fully into the spotlight. And Mm -hmm. that's what I love about this is one that he said yes to the project at all. Like this is, this is a, like, look, he may have decades of improv training, but you know, this is, and he's not that's not what he's usually doing when we see him. Mm-hmm. And so for him to sign on and be like, I'm down to do, just go in here and do whatever comes along the, you know, but so the fact that he was able to sign on and say, you know what, I'm just going to do this and roll with the punches. That it, to me, just, I think that's a terrifying yeah. prospect. And I, he gets a lot of credit for just saying yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I look at the list and I'm like, honestly, I wouldn't be mad if any of these people won. No. I mean, not that I'm usually no. mad when people win, uh, but you know what I mean? <laughs> it's one that I except that one. Yeah, I know that one year. We're not <laughs> going to, we're not going to talk about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I could see any of them winning. I would be happy for any of them to win. Um, though. I mean, it's, it's still getting into that conversation of what's a comedy versus a drama sure. and Henry Winkler's material while he was great on season four, that was all drama, um, from he's him. He's also won before. And he's won. I mean, we love him. But. Yeah. He's won. Brett so has is won Brett, twice. But I think it's, yeah. I think it's Brett or Ebon to me. I think that those are the two most likely winners in my, in my eyes. Completely agree. And I think Phil is a potential upset. That'd be fun. I'd oh, well, be into that. I already said I would love I that. Uh, but there's no discredit to, to Henry. Nope. Like, like I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, w- I guess that's how I'll put it. I wouldn't be surprised if any of these won. Yeah. I actually would love if Anthony Kerrigan yep. won as well. I adore him both as an actor and as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and but for the same reason, I'm rooting for James. Like, yep. Yeah. Man, that's tough. Well, 
Uh, we have a little bit of time until uh, voting actually happens, but um, and I don't really know that it's quite on the mind of voters right now, given everything else going on in their lives. But they will listen back to this episode and we will, um, you know, help guide them know, a little. Yeah, <laughs> I will say for all the time that they are standing on the picket line and, and doing the work for the strike. Yeah. I would assume most of the like working actors that are used to being on set for 16 hour days are actually probably watching more television now than they it's would have been point. had oh, they yeah. been working. So because it's it's kind of like going from having homework to like just having work and be able to like clock out at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, most of them are probably not at home reading scripts or auditioning or like doing all the stuff that they would be doing in their downtime. So I hope that they are taking advantage of it to watch all the content, not just the things that they'd already watched and voting based on that. Yeah. Amen to that. Second that indeed. Well, if uh, those of you who are listening have not yet watched Jury Duty, at this point, I would encourage you to hit pause. Go very quickly watch the eight episodes. It's a very easy, quick watch. You can do it truly in one day, less than four hours, and then come back and hit play on this because there are lots of spoilers in the conversation to come. But first, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's my conversation with Jury Duty showrunner Cody Heller. The awardist will be right back. Welcome back to The Awardist. I think probably most people know what it means to be called for jury duty. Uh, Not everyone has served on one, but just the process of going to the courthouse and figuring out, am I going to get out of this? Are they going to call me? It's something most of us uh, have all experienced. Um, And that's what happened to a man named Ronald Gladden, who signed up for what he thought was a documentary about what it means to be a juror. And it turned into something completely different. It's one of the most delightful shows of the last year. Uh, And right now, now, uh, we are going to get to my interview with Jury Duty showrunner Cody Heller, who had quite a task putting this all together. Here's that interview. Hello there, Cody Heller. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you. And thank you so much for joining me here on The Awardist. For everyone listening, we've already mentioned elsewhere, but uh, Cody is uh, the showrunner and executive producer of now the Emmy-nominated Jury Duty. I mean, huge congrats all around, all of the applause. Um, Thank you. When Jury Duty was announced that morning of the nominations, one of the Outstanding Comedy Series nominees, uh, I got to say it was... um, it was one of the more pleasant surprises that day uh, because there had been a, a, a bit of a discussion like, ooh, can can jury duty do it? Can they get in there? Uh, and you did. So has it fully sunk in yet? Um, it's hard to say. I am, I have like Jewish neuroses. I have OCD, magical <laughs> thinking. So like the whole week leading up to when they were going to be announced, in my head, I was like, okay, you have to just pretend you, there's no chance. There's no chance at all. Don't get your hopes up. Just pretend just, Mm -hmm. but deep down I was like, oh my God, I just hope so bad because so many people, I mean, truly this show was the most collaborative of collaborations Mm -hmm. you could possibly imagine. And I just so badly wanted everyone to get some recognition for doing this crazy risky experiment that 
going into it, none of us knew would this actually work at all. So mm -hmm. I, I was so nervous, but pretending not to care. And my fiance <laughs> is Dan Harmon, and he mm -hmm. has, you know, been nominated and won several Emmys. Yeah. So he doesn't care about it. He doesn't think about it. So the night before, I didn't even say anything to him, but I'm very superstitious. So like, I was lighting candles all week. I was knocking on wood <laughs> all the time, but I was like, I pretended to him that I didn't even think about it. And I intentionally was like, if I watch it live, I'm going to have an anxiety attack. My heart will explode. So I purposely was like, I'm going to sleep in. I'm not going to set my alarm. Oh. And then at like 8.30, my phone was on silent, but I started hearing like some buzzes. And I was like, oh, okay, oh. okay, maybe, okay, you know, Marsden, Marsden probably, okay. And uh -huh. then I was like, okay, Susie Ferris, obviously she deserves it so much. Oh my God. And then there was more and more and more. And I just, I kept sleeping, pretending to sleep. And then Dan came running into the room and he was like, baby, you got four Emmy nominations. Jury duty got four Emmy nominations. And I flipped out. I immediately called Nicholas Hatton, who's one of the executive yeah. producers. And we just sobbed. And then Andrew Weinberg, another executive producer, writer, we just, and then James Marsden and I it just, we were all truly like the jury duty family is still like, we are a true family. Now we're all on text chains and we all pick it together and we're mm -hmm. all a real family. We were all freaking the F out, like just truly, I can't, it, it hasn't sunken in. It has not sunken in really. Well, I, I mean, I, I completely understand all of that. Well, I don't because I'm, I'm not an Emmy nominee, but um, uh, but but I can I can just imagine how, like you were saying, going into this, uh, not knowing if it was going to work, which which really kind of uh, let me ask this question yeah. on a scale of one to ten. How close is the final product to what you were what you were hoping it would be? That's a great question. Um, I would say. Going into this, when I when I like accepted the job as showrunner for this, I mm -hmm. truly was like, I have no idea if I can pull this off. I'm this is an amazing idea. Mm -hmm. It sounds so cool. It sounds like something I would watch, and I love this. But I have no idea if I can pull this off. There is a huge chance that I could just fail, and there was something so terrifying about that but also at the same time, so appealing. And so mm -hmm. I think, and it was during COVID still, and like I was right. still isolated. And there was something about it that just in my heart, I was like, you know what, even though this is like such a risky thing, and also like for Freebie to take this risk, huge like props to them for taking this risk on a thing that there's no guarantee. There, literally, there was a chance that this show would become just a show about us failing to do this thing. Um, so I really kept my mind very open to this is going to be something that we don't really know. We have idea. We know, we know that we don't want it to be a prank show. We know that it, we want it to be a hero's journey. We wanted it to be funny. But we wanted to have heart. We had these certain things in mind from the beginning that, you know, Lee and Jean and uh, Dave Bernad and Todd Schulman that was already built into the DNA before I came on board. And those were, those were the very important things that mattered. But the very nature of the show is that it's fluid and constantly evolving and constantly changing. 
And so I really, I don't think until we got into the edit, did I really start to realize like how, what the show would exactly be. And that, that was something that was so exciting and fresh and new to me coming from a world where I've only done just regular scripted comedy. That was so exciting and exhilarating to just be like, this is a thing that it's an experiment. It's like, we're, we're doing something that's ever been done before. And it's, as we go, it's turning into something and kind of embracing all of the messiness of that. And, uh, and then by the end of it, when we finished editing, I was like, oh, fuck, I'm really proud of the show. I really like what this turned into. And like before that, during the whole, you know, the writer's room and the production and during the whole process, I was just so focused on the moment, the day to day of just like making it through. Can we get through a day without screwing this up with keeping Ronald believing that this is real <laughs> And staying true to our intentions of not making this a prank show, not making this mean, all of those things. So I was so focused on that that I was not thinking about the results at all. And it was mm. like such a thing that that went through this process of becoming what it eventually became. Yeah. Well, and, and what you're saying, you know, reminds me so much of when we speak to documentary filmmakers, uh, because, of course, yes, you were shooting, in essence, kind of a, a docu-series, but also a comedy, but also a social experiment. Um, so in, in those regards, as you, you know, you, you kind of gave credit to, to Freebie for, um, you know, being on board. Did it, was it a, a big kind of uh, trust project with the studio? It was like, you guys just like, please, like like just stick with us here we're confident we will have something at the end of this um i have to say you know i came on board like later on so you know sure. todd shulman mm -hmm. dave bernad lee eisenberg gene stepnitsky they had they they were the ones that went out and sold this thing and then um they brought nicholas hatton on who is this amazing, uh, he's done all these Borat things. He has so much experience in that world. So I was one of the last people to be brought on. And um, Freebie at that point was, you know, they were in it and they were incredible partners throughout the entire experience. They really allowed us to do what we wanted. They had had great notes and guidance and like we couldn't have asked for a better partner in this because i i do think they did take a huge risk we all took a huge risk because again there was no guarantee that this would work it could have been a total failure it could have just blown up in our faces yeah and also in those regards no real like reference point there, there's because there's nothing like it you couldn't really say like oh yeah we, i mean maybe you did watch some things maybe there were some some you know documentary style workplace comedies i don't know and, and you know you're you're familiar with some of those i know but um there was no real uh, uh, though correct me if i'm wrong reference point for uh, you know the, the 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 playbook on how to make a show like this work exactly i mean you know because of lee and gene we always had that off office reference of tonally I also really, I'm a huge Christopher Guest fan. So that played a oh, huge part yeah. tonally of like what I wanted it to feel like. But in terms of having a real person be a part of it, essentially saying, this is a guy who thinks he's partaking in a regular documentary about this judicial system. And he's just one of many. 
but actually he's the star of a sitcom that he does not know is happening around him. I don't think that there is anything else out there, not that I've seen or heard of. So it really was unprecedented. And that was terrifying, but at the same time, what made it so exciting and fun. Mm -hmm. And now let's be honest, people are going to try to replicate what you've done. So that's uh, perhaps, I, I guess, a flattering thing. I mean, in those regards, too, <laughs> you all have to figure out a way to replicate yourself without, you know, people, anyone who's cast in it being like, wait a minute, I know what this is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I honestly think, and this sounds very woo-woo, but I really think there was a sort of magic that happened mm. while we were doing this. I think that everyone involved, literally every single person from all of the crew members, all of the writers who were also many of the performers, the whole ensemble, everyone, we were all taking this risk, trusting in each other and being like, look, we know what we have an idea of what we want this to be. We know what we don't want it to be. We don't want it to be cruel. Yeah. We don't want it to be a prank show. Yeah. We want it to be a hero's journey. But beyond that, it was not, you know, we had we had a 10-week writer's room where we had these, you know, kind of script lines, these outlines that were kind of like scripts, but not totally. But by the time production started, we realized this is not sustainable. And then we kind of switched to a system of, um, it was like me, uh, Andrew Weinberg, who was uh, one of the EP's writers, Nick Hatton, and Jake Szymanski, the director. At the end of every day, we would sort of sit down and say, okay, what got accomplished today story-wise? What needs to happen tomorrow? And we would create these beat sheets. And that's what we would distro mm. to the actors the night before. And then that, uh, I was gonna ask. again, okay. <laughs> was a crazy thing because, you know, some of the actors were literally living in the hotel with ronald right. for real so we would have to like sneak them out to get on the phone because the, because of the sequestration their phones were supposed to be gone so every element every little thing was you know if if at the beginning i had known how much work it was going to be and and how much detail and how many things would be thrown at us i would have been so overwhelmed that i'm so glad that i did take the job and i did go through with it because it wound up being incredible and such a satisfying, creatively fulfilling, amazing job. Um, but it was so different from, a you know, me coming from regular half hour sitcom or not sitcoms, but regular scripted comedy. There's no action. There's no cut. There's no take two. There's no video village. This is like Ronald arrived. The day has started. Let's go. And that is like so it's kind of an addictive feeling. It was very there were the high highs and the low lows. And it was just like thrilling all around. Mm. Um, you, you mentioned the the writer's room. Of course, in the finale, we got to see how um, how the cake was made. I prefer cake over sausage. So <laughs> I'm just going to go with that metaphor. Um, and we know that you kind of had some, you know, like we'll we'll do this if he says this and we'll do that if he says that so you had potential like different scenarios is it fair to say you you would kind of work through a a, a choose your own adventure type thing thinking from ronald's perspective yes okay so when we were assembling the writer's room one of the main things that i thought was going to be very crucial was knowing the nature of what I mean, kind of knowing the nature because it's never been done before. I didn't totally know, but 
anticipating what the, it might entail, I said, I think it's really important that as many people as possible are there from the very beginning for all of the conversations. So when I was assembling and hiring the writers for the writer's room, I was also thinking, okay, I want as many writers that could also possibly be performers in the show. And out of the entire writer's room, all but two of the writers were wound up being performers on the show. And wow. I think that was a huge part of why we were able to be successful is because we really created this family unit of it was just a true collaboration. There was not, you know, it was so different from a regular show where there is a hierarchy. It was really just all of us coming together and being like, we're all going to do this thing together. And I got so lucky in finding, I mean, truly some of them, like, they're so good. Susie Ferris, who was the casting director, did the most incredible job finding. I mean, I was just every day sitting there in the control room watching this group of actors just in awe of how talented and how I, they just, every, they could, you know, everything that happened, they would just accept it and yes and and move with it. But yes, when we were conceiving of the stories, we were constantly aware of like, look, the point of the show is not to be cruel. It's not to make fun of this person. It's to create a hero's journey for this person and kind of no wrong answers sort of vibe. We're like, we want to give him choices, but we don't want to ever put him in a position where he's going to have, you know, he's going to come off like an asshole. Um, but that being said, Ronald Gladden, who for <laughs> real restored my faith in humanity. Um, yeah. He not only like always made the right decision, but he went above and beyond. Like my favorite moments of the entire series, the show are totally unscripted things that were just Ronald, like Ronald showing Todd a bug's life, Ronald taking Todd for a makeover. Those were not scripted oh. at all. That was just Ronald being Ronald. And that, yeah. I mean, and that, and Alexis San Pietro, who is the, uh, the producer who found Ronald. I mean, she is just, I, I worship at her feet for finding yeah. him because she truly found a, a real hero, which like yeah. total jackpot. Yeah. He's amazing. And in real life, everyone, they're all friends. We're all still friends. Like Ronald, we're all on like group texts. We're all still friends. Like Ugh. the cast and the writers, we're all picketing together now. Like it is a true family. And I think that overall is kind of what I'm most proud of is the fact that like we did create this, real family that extended beyond production and beyond the screen into real life. And that's, I think, very rare. Uh, love that. I think it's, uh, is it um, Susan who plays Barbara? Yes. I think she even said to him, like, we really fell in love with you. Yep. Uh, and and it shows. It shows. And it was so um, true. Was, yeah. Yeah. Was she, by the way, <laughs> really falling asleep or was that part of the bit? No, that was part of the bit. Because it's so she's funny. Just, she's oh, an amazing actress. It was so smart. She's amazing. So funny. All of them. I mean, Ugh. truly, there was not a dud in the whole bunch. It was yeah. It was insane. And like, I could not believe. I would just be like, how is this possible that there are this, I mean, 21 series regulars who all every day 
came in, trusted that we were making this thing that there's no guarantees that it was going to work at all. And we all had to trust in each other. And it was like a beautiful, it was really, it sounds so cheesy, but it really was a beautiful, magical thing that was like lightning mm. in a bottle. And it, yeah. it was incredible. Um, like Ronald said in uh, in the finale to uh, Rashida, who plays Officer Nikki, um, that's when I looked up the the cast pretty early. I guess it was after episode one or two. I was also shocked to find out that she was not um, a, a real uh, like bailiff or whatever. I was like, she is so good and convincing. She is amazing. <laughs> I mean, she took everyone. Everyone gave their mm-hmm. all in ways that I can't even begin to explain. Yeah. Like, and and spiritually, psychically, emotionally, like it was it was intense because like Susan said, everyone really did fall in love with Ronald. So no one wanted Ronald to have a bad experience or to be upset or to be traumatized. We took great care to um, make sure that his mental health was like number one, the most important thing. He had a psychologist that he would check in with. He thought that everyone else in the documentary was also doing that. But that was our number one thing was like making sure that this was not going to traumatize this person because even, I mean, even though we're not making fun of him and he doesn't come off as an asshole or any of those things, still finding out that three and a half weeks of your life has been not the reality that you thought it was. (laughs) That's crazy. That's that, that could be really shocking. And yeah, we still do a number on you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, is it true that, and I hope I get his name right, correct me if I'm wrong, Meki Leeper, yes. who, who plays Noah, yes. did he really throw up when you guys were on the bus? Yes. Yes. So What? Okay. So basically, we had scripted that they do the Margaritaville night. It's his first uh-huh. time drinking. That stuff was all as is. But it was supposed to be that the next day in court in the jury box he was going to throw up and we had like this prop uh, of like, like hung over yeah he was going to like throw up in the jury box and then they were going to have to clean it and we had like the soup that he was going to have to have in his mouth and we had this whole thing planned but in reality Mecky just drank so many sugary drinks because they were mm. you know they only could have like one alcoholic beverage right. that night at margaritaville he just drank so many sugary drinks that that was real vomit mm. out the window um, I gotta say, it's one of the best "quote unquote" playing drunk performances I've ever seen. It's so realistic, not over the top, like pitch perfect, spot on. He's so good. And by the way, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's he's nominated for writing that yep. episode, right? Yeah, uh, he's nominated. He's nominated for writing episode five, which is right after the Margaritaville episode. But yeah, after Margaritaville. But yes, yeah, he was he was a writer in the room. He's amazing. Yeah. He's such so a talented good. actor, such a talented writer. Um, we just got, I truly feel like there was a, a magical thing that came together to just be like, we're going to make this happen. And we're going to bless you with all these amazing people who are <laughs> all going to be so incredible at what they do and thoughtful and kind. And everyone cared about Ronald and everyone had the best of intentions. And I think it comes through. And I think that I think that that's what the world has been responding to is mm-hmm. that it's it, it's about humanity and kindness and goodness and like Ronald truly did restore my faith in humanity like no joke yeah. he really did. Yeah, agree. It made me feel so good watching it. Um uh, uh 
Of course, James Marsden, uh, Ronald does recognize. I'll, I'll come back to him in just a second. But did you guys, were you ever concerned that Ronald would potentially recognize any of the others who, like, some of them do have, you know, some quite good acting credits? There was a little concern about Kirk Fox. And mm, uh, mm-hmm. luckily, we were okay. But it did come out, like, a few days into shooting, Ronald made some comment about how he loves Parks and Rec. And we were like, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh no. Oh no. That's the one I was like, uh oh. He didn't, you know, and, and Kirk had sort of changed. He like grew out his beard. He looked a little different than his character on Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. But at the end, when, you know, when we did the reveal and they finally meet for in real life as their real, as who they really are, he was like, Sue's show, Parks and Rec. And Ronald was like, oh my God. And now Ronald <laughs> goes to Kirk's stand up shows. Like, truly, they're <laughs> all friends in real life. And that is like, one of the things that makes me the happiest out of all of the amazing things that came from the show. Yeah. Um, was James Marsden always the, you know, the actor uh, who was going to be on the jury or, or were you guys talking to anyone else at any point? We just always had the, the idea that there was going to be a celebrity because, and that was, that was in Lee and Jean's original concept. That was like, and I, what I loved about that is that it shows that, you know, jury duty is like the great equalizer. You can be a really famous person or you can be a nobody from wherever. Everyone gets called in for jury duty. So I really like that idea. And knowing that it was going to take place in LA, I thought, I I love the idea that there is this celebrity. But we had always just, while we were in the writer's room, we were just writing for a celebrity. And then we got so lucky. Dave Bernad um, w- approached Mars and I think they're, they were friends already. And I mean, for Marsden to be down to do this, like <laughs> to have a movie mm-hmm. star agree to not only make fun of himself, but, and yep. do this thing that who knows if it's going to work or not, but also, you know, there would be days where we, you know, we, we talk about it a little bit in episode 108, but when we had a crazy day of a lot of funny stuff happening, the next day it would just be like, okay, guys, boring court all day long. And Marsden yeah. would just sit there and just the fact that to have a, a movie star who is down to clown, as I say, like he, and, and also just his improv skills. I was just constantly like, oh my God. I mean, everyone, <laughs> the whole ensemble, yeah. it was just truly unreal the amount of talent that was packed into yeah. that courtroom. Well, of course, because you didn't know which movies Ronald would recognize James from or which ones he would remember. So then I, I assume James just kind of then had to roll with the w- whatever Ronald was saying, like, oh, yeah, X-Men and uh, yeah, whatever else. Well, we had so we were like, OK, we always had, you know, we, obviously we had tons of there was there was like a tree of different possibilities of like okay if ronald recognizes him mm. then this if he doesn't then this so Got we it. had sasha uh. um i can't I, I think her name is sasha ali um the actress that comes up to james and is like hey can you take and ask ronald to take a picture of the two of them together that was oh, our yes, that yes, was yes. that was our plan for like what if ronald doesn't recognize him because we got this sense we were watching from the control room and we saw that Ronald kind of like clocked James and was looking at him, but mm-hmm. he didn't say anything. So we we're like, all right. And then we had an earwig in Sasha's ear and we we're like, Sasha, go ahead. And then Sasha comes up and does the, 
you know, I'm such a big fan. Can Mm -hmm. we take a picture? So we had, you know, backup plans to backup plans to backup plans for everything. (sighs) And it was constantly changing. Got it. So does that mean, uh, did everyone have an earpiece? Because we knew that um, the judge definitely did. Yeah, not everyone. Um, The judge always did. And then depending on the day, different people would have them. Ah. So it just kind of depended on what the day was. Um, Like the Margaritaville um, factory field trip day, Lonnie has, um, uh, Ah. who's played Ah. by Ish. He had the yep. earwig and it was like a sweltering hot day, but he has short hair. So he was wearing a hoodie and to cover up the earwig. And I was like, oh my God, poor Ish. And he was just, I mean, everyone truly just committed to this thing in a way that would just was the most impressive thing in the world. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I was wondering how, if everyone had them, how you would conceal them, but little tricks cover them up in in ways yeah Yeah. all right um what was the decision how did you guys land on james being an alternate and not being on the actual jury you you know what it was it was we just thought it would be funny that he because he's a celebrity and he's so used to Mm -hmm. being a celebrity that for him to be an alternate was kind of a step down for him and that for him to kind of, even though in the beginning he just wants to get out of there, that once he's yeah. on there and he's just an alternate, that that gets to him so much. We just thought that was a really funny notion. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And it worked. It, it worked so well, especially like you said, him just like sitting there observing. And then, uh, of course, he gets in on the action during the uh, deliberations oh, yeah. um, in a really fun way. Um, of course, the uh, filming. <laughs> Uh, his um, audition tape for the movie and everything at the hotel and the poop in the toilet, which we see you, I believe it's you uh, with the prop master in, in the finale talking about like how it's going to work, how you get it in I there. I take my job very seriously, okay? It had to I look mean, real. Look, it had to look real. Yeah. It had to look real. It had to be orchestrated perfectly so that Ronald wouldn't know how it got in there. Uh, one of the funniest little anecdotes about that day was that, so, you know, we did the, they, they carry, they took, while Ronald is downstairs helping with Mecky and, um, and the whole, like, you know, trying to hook up with Edie's character. Yeah. While that's happening, we had prop, the prop master come in, do the poop thing. And we had this stuff called liquid poo. That's like a spray that smells the spur- like poo. The, yeah. And so Marsden was spraying it and he was like spraying more and more. He's like, I don't think it smells enough. He was spraying more and more. And then uh, right before Ronald came back in, he was like, it doesn't smell enough. So he sprayed a little bit more right on the door frame. And then later that night, and then after the whole thing happened, we had the room professionally clean so that it wouldn't, you know, we didn't want Ronald to be like in this gross room. But that night I get a text from Marsden in the middle of the night and he's like, oh my God, I'm really worried. I think I sprayed some of the liquid poo like right on the door frame. And what if Ronald, what if they didn't clean it and Ronald realizes it and he smells that it's on the door frame and like we were all so hyper aware of every little thing being, because we had built, I mean, you know, it took so much work and everyone put their all into this thing and any tiny little thing could have blown everything up. So everyone was just, always so hyper aware and hyper vigilant about everything. Um, and also about like caring about 
about Ronald. Everyone cared so yeah. much about Ronald and wanted to make sure that he was okay and having a, a good experience and a fun adventure. And that was what was so special too. It was just like the, the care and the humanity that went into all of it. Mm-hmm. Well, what you said about the the poo spray on the doorframe, that leads me perfectly into uh, this question. Um, and maybe that was one of those instances. But did anything happen along the way that you were like, oh, crap, the jig is up. Like, he's going to figure it out right now. In 108, when you, you see a little bit when he says, like, this feels like a reality show. That yes. moment, <laughs> I like literally got down on the floor and crawled under a desk and was about to cry. I was like. Oh my God, he knows. Right, because what if his thought lingered and stayed on that and then he started putting pieces together? Exactly, but then the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, I think I think he just means things are so crazy, it feels like a reality show. First right. of all, he said it to James. So it's not like he, you know what I mean? Like he, he doesn't think mm-hmm. James is in on it. So he... I think it would take a very, very narcissistic person to think everybody is an actor and this whole thing is orchestrated and that I'm the only real person. I think that would, and and Ronald is so the opposite of that. So I think in that moment, I was freaking out. I was like, it's up, we're done. I was just so upset. And then, no, he really just meant like, this is crazy and wild and ridiculous stuff keeps happening. Um, yeah, but no, because doesn't like, he also make yeah. a comment in one episode about how like, I, like th- this could be a movie or I'm going to write a movie yes. out of this or something. In, there was some Mar- kind of comment. Margaritaville, yeah. He's like, he says like, I'm going to make a movie out of this documentary that's being made. This is yeah, so nuts. Yeah, right. <laughs> but truly he just, you know, he just was like, this is all insanity. And I also think it spoke to sort of the idea, like every time court was in session, it would be like a little bit of court and then lunch and then, you know, and it spoke to the, the kind of bureaucratic bullshit of just like the system being kind of not so well functioning. Um, but the best thing was that once Ronald became the four person, he was so invested. Like not only mm-hmm. was Ronald, the, didn't even want to do it. Didn't even want to do it. Didn't even want to <laughs> yeah. do it. But once he was given that role, he took it so seriously. And it's not like he became, like a tyrant and at all like a dick yeah. to the other jurors. Oh it was just that he took yeah. like the the job seriously and cared about justice being served. And I think that was something we did not anticipate. So we had to keep up with Ronald. We had a he was like, where's the blood alcohol levels? And we were like, we weren't prepared to show that till next week. Props, you gotta come down and get this right away. Like oh, there whoa. were ton- there was another instance where over the weekend, so when they were at the hotel we want, we didn't want to like, we wanted Ronald to have fun. This was not meant to be like mm-hmm. a torturous thing by any means. So they were allowed to like, they had, we, basically we had PAs that were dressed as bailiffs that were always at the hotel available for anything that anyone might need. And specifically uh-huh. for Ronald, obviously. So there was a day over the weekend when they um, decided they wanted to go out for like drinks for like brunch and we realized, oh no, the actors, they don't have IDs with their act, with their characters' names. Like what if, oh. you know, sometimes when you're going out with friends and you get carded and you go like, oh, let me see your picture. What? So we had to have props, like rush over the thing. Like there were so many instances where it was just like on the fly, 
everyone coming together, everybody serve doing their job to like everyone just took the greatest care and went above and beyond to make this thing happen. It was truly the most collaborative thing that I've ever participated in. And it was so satisfying to know yeah. that like, I'm even more impressed now. <laughs> it, it was, it was crazy. There are so, so many things like that where it was just like in the last minute realizing, Oh shit, we got to get this thing. We didn't think yeah. about this. And because Ronald was so smart, we had to keep up with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he was so, um, I guess collaborative is the best word. Once I got into deliberations and he really wanted to like take his time and hear everyone out. And yeah, uh, he, he was so great. Um, and then of course there's an entire part of the storyline, uh, Cody, your name, yes. uh, gets brought up as like, well, is it a unisex name? No. Like we mostly hear it as a guy. Like, was that all worked out in the writer's room or, or, yeah, um, it was, did Mackie, okay, it was yeah. because when, when I was a writer starting out, I used to show up for general meetings and people would be like, Oh, I thought you would oh. be a guy. And so I just thought it was a funny thing, whatever. But there's a great thing that is not on the show, but I will tell you a, amazing. Another example of just how amazing Ronald is. So after we did the reveal, you know, I went and I met Ronald and I was so excited to meet him. And I was like, I'm Cody. And we were talking about, oh, the Cody episode, blah, blah. So in real life, Ronald has a best friend who is a man who's named Cody. And in that episode, he <laughs> does not bring it up. He, if you remember in that episode, everyone is bringing it up. Everyone's saying, I know a guy, Cody. I know a golden retriever, Cody. I know a blah, 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 Cody. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say anything. All he does is say, Noah, don't worry about it. Like if you trust your girl, yeah. don't worry. So he, like the fact that he took the time to process, instead of just blurting out, my best friend is a guy mm -hmm. named Cody he thought about, wait, that might make Noah upset. And he yeah. kept that in. Yeah. I was like, that is what, I mean, <sighs> truly. What a good guy. Such Dang a good it. Guy. Like you can't. Like uh. can the AMPTP be more like Ronald is the big question. Like can <laughs> they? Oh, can yeah. they? Can they? They can. Will, Will they? they? Will they? Right, right. A whole other Will question. Will they, won't yeah. they? Uh, right. Um... Uh, so I blurted out loud, yelled at my TV when, uh, judge Rosen informs Ronald that he's just won a hundred thousand dollars. What the, what I like for essentially being a good guy for 15 days, not bad. Like, where do I sign up? I know. I know. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that part of it to me was like one of those things where I was like, I kind of went back and forth on whether I wanted it to be a part of the show or not. Cause to me, it's like, not really, not really about that, but you know, it made him really happy. So I want him to be happy and it made him really happy. And I liked that we saw that he was happy about it, but I don't think that that was, I think Ronald truly had a really great time. He had, he was up for an adventure and he was like, just the perfect person for it. And that, I mean, Alexis San Pietro, who found him, like it just, she is so incredibly talented at doing what she does that she found the perfect person who was like open to having this adventure and just ready for the ride. And then the fact that in real life, they're all still friends. Like how beautiful is that? Like, it's just, 
I mean, Ronald and I like text all the time. He's just like a good guy. And, you know, now he's a fame, he's famous. And I'm yeah. like, Ronald, yeah. if anyone in the world can possibly not be corrupted by fame, it's you. Like, I believe <laughs> that you can, you can so. do this. And he's just an amazing, an amazing person. Um, silly question. Did you have to be super specific about the wording of how the money was presented? Because I know like in some cases it, it then uh, like makes it uh, like a game show or a, you know what I mean? Like a reality competition, like there are weird rules with how money is given out or something. But also was it just like actually presented to him as not that I was ever no. aware of. No, yeah, it wasn't really like, okay. it was kind of like a, and in addition, you get this. Right, right, right. And I know he is, is, is he now part of SAG or he was b by chance always part of, so that's how he was able to participate? How did that he work? Was, no, he was never part of SAG. I don't know if now, like, he it wants to pursue, you know, yeah. a career, because he is so charismatic and amazing and the world loves him. Yeah. But no, he was, you know, he was definitely not at all an actor. He was... He was in the middle. He had he had a solar panel contracting company and he had just sold it. And he was literally on Craigslist, like looking for like a gig, but something Work. fun and exciting. Yeah. And he was like, oh, a documentary about jury duty. That sounds kind of fun. I'll do that. Crazy. Wow. If that's not a um, kind of a I don't know if lesson is the right word, but, but there's something to, certainly to be learned from that about just like taking chances yeah. and and leaving life plans, you know, throwing them out the window and see, see where things take you. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. Um, at the end, it's so funny that he said this because I was starting to think about it more and more as I was watching the show. But at the end he says, wait, does this mean I didn't actually fulfill jury I duty? <laughs> um, but I have to imagine if he gets called for jury duty they're anywhere, not. like they're going to dismiss him immediately. I agree. <laughs> I really do agree. But I thought that was such a funny, I mean, he is so, he's naturally very funny. And so the fact that he said that, I was just like, what a perfect way to end this thing that he realizes like, wait a second. Now I have to yeah. actually, I'm eligible for jury duty now after all that. But I agree. Yeah, I think yeah. if he is called for jury duty, they're going to be like, okay, no, no, dude, mm. come on. Out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for showing yeah. up. You actually did do your time. Yeah. Uh, he, he served yeah. technically. He, did. Um, he yeah. served it. He served it up. Yeah. Well, last thing here, and we kind of touched on this a, a little bit earlier about like, how do you even try to to do it again without the concern of people being on to you. But are those conversations happening internally with all of you? Not, not, no, I think, not I presently. think really honestly, we're all just like so excited about all the praise and love and the recognition, everything. We're all just so excited about that. Um, and then because of the strikes, obviously, we're not even getting into yeah. those conversations. Can't can't even write. Right. But yeah. But I will say it has been a very it's been really cool to be able to pick it with the my fellow jury mm. duty family. Like we go pick it together and that's a special thing. And I, I'm, you know, I'm hopeful that we yeah. reach a fair deal so we can get back to doing what we love and make more jury duties and do more things like this and take more chances of making stuff that honestly, AI, AI can't make jury duty. That's like, no. there's no way. 
No, no. Well, uh, full support here uh, for you uh, on that. I uh, want to see everyone reach a reach a deal that that makes the most sense and and honestly, the, the, both sides yeah. um, find things to be happy about. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we want we want fair pay for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, Cody, congrats on this. Really, uh, I cannot recommend it enough to folks. And um, and and all the best to all of you at the Emmy Awards. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This has been of such course. a pleasure. Well, uh, I, I mean, I said it there to Cody. I'm just so wildly impressed with how they pulled this off, that they managed to uh, not tip anything off to him, that he didn't figure it out. Of course, there was once where Cody thought uh, it was going to happen and, and James had his own moment. But just the fact that like the 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 props team, the, the production designers, that they all were basically like, whatever you need, uh, you know, making like, you know, IDs for everyone on such quick notice so that he yeah. didn't like see their license and was like, wait a minute. It's just wildly impressive. And um, and I don't know. Of course, people are going to try to replicate the success of this show, sure. but I don't really know if you can. I don't like I mean, sure, you could make the like, you know, punked went on for seasons and somehow celebs yeah. never figured out that something was fake. Mm -hmm. But it's like it's such undercover an, boss, undercover boss. Yeah. It is such an elaborate setup. I think, again, it would have you would just have to find the right person. You'd have mm -hmm. to find someone who, yeah, had never heard of the show and put them in a, but it's it also it's also hard because jury duty is a thing every single person will either have to do but you're up to yeah. do you might not have right. to do it but whatever right. there aren't a ton of those scenarios in life i don't where I have you're some in like thoughts. a group i've been setting. thinking about this a okay. long time <laughs> mm -hmm. but patrick i'll let you weigh in on anything else you want to say before i get well, to god that. all i'm going to be able to think of is is uh, is what your other scenarios are now i want to think of some of my own but no i agree it's it's kind of lightning in a bottle mm -hmm. it's it's tough because um, if you come back and it doesn't end as heartwarmingly yep. as this show yeah. felt, then it's just it kind of ruins it a yep. little bit. I think we're going to have the opposite problem. And I remember reading um, at the release of the Truman Show um, that like now I think there's literally like a, a like a mental symptom that's named after the Truman oh. Show of like people people just being like oh, I think I'm now in this scenario. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to have that where people are like, this jury duty is ridiculous. You're all actors. Yeah. And they're going to like stand oh up in the court and imagine? be like, where's the cameras? Right. And they're going to be like, sir, you're uh, in contempt of court. <laughs> oh, I'd uh, like to be on that jury, actually, and see someone <laughs> have gonna that It's going to be thought. Jared doing it. Yeah, it'll be me. Um, <laughs> so here are my thoughts. So uh, our uh, writer, Sydney Buxbaum, and I, uh, after I interviewed Cody, I was talking to Sydney about it. And it's like, what could they actually do? I think uh, it was right after the nominations when we were on Twitter. Twitter space. Yeah, we were like, yeah. maybe the DMV, DMV. but DMV somewhere you only go for a day, but right. maybe there's something to do with an employee. And then I was like, well, what about like people in a pageant? Um, mm -hmm. You know, there could maybe be something to work with there or um, like you have to go to a, like for a week, you have to go to a corporate training because sure. those would all be strangers um, or like a, you know, like a, a retreat of some kind where you're meeting people from your field, but, you know, different companies. Yeah. Um, so those could all be made up. Um, so Jared's going to be a producer on season two. Yeah, that's what we're learning. Uh, that's, that's but what's, as much what's as sexist, you have, can't call it jury duty, so it doesn't have the name recognition. I know, yeah. You know what's, but to your, like, what you're saying made me realize jury duty is 
something you have to do, right? Mm -hmm. It is an obligation. Right. But there is an opportunity with things that you would just, that people would volunteer for. Like, like my friend just went on a writer's retreat. Mm -hmm. She did that of her own free will. But like, what if it had been a fake writer's retreat and everyone else, you know, like there is opportunity, I think, in some of those scenarios, um, certainly. But yeah, Yeah, because I even thought about like, what if a like a grocery store hires a a new cashier and like everyone who works at this grocery store. But then I would be so mad at the end that I didn't actually have a job. (laughs) You know (laughs) what I mean? Like if you had a hundred thousand dollars. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you did well and got that hundred K, which I thought that was also interesting that they also took a season where someone didn't. Oh, I know. Right. But their whole I think you want to watch like an episode where they don't. Yeah. Like that's the thing. It's like then you kind of want just like a one episode thing. But but their to to Cody's point, you know, their goal is their their point is we want a hero's journey. We want to show like the goodness and people and and all that stuff. Cause like, you know what you said, Sam, we, we need it. Um, but I did then you end up with that MTV show that uh, Lady Gaga was on before she was famous. Um Pressure, pressure pressure cooker yeah. or something like oh, that. Oh yeah. Forgot about that. But I did also think it was interesting. Cody said they they almost took out the fact that he won the money because it it wasn't about the money. Sure. Um oh, but it was uh, fun to watch him have that. Oh, I it's nice to know he's rewarded after going yeah, 100%, through. percent I gasped when when the judge said that. Oh yeah. Uh, I thought it was gonna be like ten grand or something. I know. It was like a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh well everybody's trying to sign up for jury duty across the country. Guess what, you guys? Uh, for being on today's episode of the podcast, <laughs> you get a hundred thousand. I have for you my most sincere thanks, <laughs> and I'll buy you a soda Boom. from the kitchen in the office where it's already free. Obviously, this is Obviously. people didn't know it, but this is the bad episode of Jury that you didn't want to <laughs> see. Where Patrick and I get pissed. Yeah. It's adorable. <laughs> they just hit end right now yeah. on the call. <laughs> oh boy. Well, no, but uh, genuinely, thank you so much for um, for being with me here and chatting through all this. And thanks so much to all of you for listening. If you like what you're hearing here on the Awardist, you can follow, rate the podcast, and leave us an award winning review on Apple Podcasts. And to keep the conversation with us going, you can follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials. We're at EW on Twitter, or is it X now? And Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag me at Jared Hall. We will see you back here next week. This episode of the Awardist podcast is hosted by Jared Hall, produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio, edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening.